You're listening to episode 11 of Fatalists, a podcast devoted to the Showcase Network's supernatural series Lost Girl, now also appearing on Sci-Fi. My name is Dave, and I'm here with Wayne, and uh, we're both feeling a little uh, a little beat this week, so uh, we're going to gut it out. Yeah, long half week at work, but uh, it's hump day, we're almost there, so let's just soldier on. Well, you know, any day you get to talk about Lost Girl is, uh, is definitely a good day. So, True that. Uh, True that. You know, so uh, aside from Lost Girl and Grimm, you had time for anything else sci-fi? Yeah, a couple things. Um, you know, still uh, watching Supernatural on like on episode 16 of season three now. And, uh, you know, as I said, great show. It's funny because uh, there's a couple Ben Edlund uh, episodes that he wrote, and those really stick out. You know, there was one I watched last night that, uh, you know, Sam and Dean run across these these guys are like trying to make a reality show. They actually, it was from a previous encounter, <clears throat> but the whole episode was filmed like one of those reality shows through the handheld cameras and everything, which I know you're not a big fan of, but uh, you yeah, know, the, the way the story unfolded was really, the writing was very, very clever. So it's good. Yeah. I'm okay with it for a, for a while. You know, it's just that, you know, after a while I start to get dizzy. Start to get seasick. Like, oh, yeah. Um, I also, uh, I watched. I, I meant to see this movie for ages, and, and it finally popped up on Netflix. So uh, Super Eight, actually, we watched. Oh yeah, which was a pretty good movie. Yeah, you know, I wasn't. I thought the end was a little, eh, you know, and everything. And uh, I guess part of it was that, uh, you know, I thought it was PG thirteen. So you know, my my two older sons are are ten and twelve, and so I think they're they're in pretty much the PG thirteen range. I think, and um, about halfway into this movie, I, I realized that. I, at least the the ten year old probably really shouldn't be watched. It was it was kind of there were some pretty scary parts in there and everything. Yeah, you so. know, I saw that recently, like maybe two months ago, um, and you know that's J J Abrams, right? And right. I'd seen yeah. the trailers, and, and they Steven looked Spielberg awesome. Too, right? it's yeah. yeah, and I and the trailers looked awesome, and I finally you know had some time and and took a look at it. And it was great. I mean, you know, ordinarily I'm not a big fan of little kids. <laughs> you know, as the uh, right. the major characters, but they were great. I mean, it's especially it, the one you know, production values. Oh, oh he was awesome. He, right. That kid was hilarious. Um, and then you know the, the girl. Um, you know, and I just really liked the whole. You know, just the the one girl with all the guys, and 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 I, I know she kept looking familiar. And well, then, it's Ellie Fanning, right? She's and, been in tons of things. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I'm mean, like you. I, I I liked it. It was enjoyable. If I had. Actually paid money to see it in a theater. I wouldn't have felt uh, wanted my money back. Right. Um, so yeah, it was that was good. Well, there's a, that the train wreck scene was just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. afterward, we were just like we actually uh, rewound it and, and watched it again because it was just that was an amazing scene. All right. So uh, well, for me, still working through Fringe, getting close to the end of season two. Um, you know, and and again, like we've said. Uh, um, you know, we're going to spoil this part. So I'm at the part where uh, uh, Peter and Olivia were going to go out on their oh, their date, geez. and uh, unfortunately, he was glowing. He was he had like, uh, the little aura around yeah. him, to, so yeah. she knows he's not of this world. Right. So he was glowing in a bad way. Um, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't pregnant. Right? No. Right. So uh, anyway, all right. Well, listen. Uh, why don't we jump into the news? I got a few items here. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I really feel like I'm just like bashing on Fox all the time. And, and, uh, well, they deserve it though. They, yes. But some, mostly. Well, yeah, because it's, I mean, they do look on the one hand, they do, uh, green light these shows that we like. On the other hand, they don't leave them on long enough. They don't give them a chance. So anyway, 
they're adapting Lisa Joy's graphic novel, Headache. Now, I'd never heard about it, but... Uh, no clue. Um, and they're developing this into an hour-long drama called Athena. So the premise here is the 23-year-old woman discovers that she's actually Athena, goddess of wisdom and war. And uh, she, from episode to episode, battles monsters, aliens, other gods who are trying to take over the Earth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently it's at the uh, the script stage, and that apparently the deal is if the if Fox likes the script, they're going to green light thirteen episode season. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, like we we said, like when Joss Whedon probably pitched the idea for Firefly, if would have sounded you know pretty far fetched and everything. So who knows? Who knows indeed. All right. Now, um, I know you're an Avengers fan, and I know you chastised me uh, for not having seen any of the films, but uh, uh, apparently, you know, they're moving forward with the Disney and the Marvel connection and, you know, trying to get the uh, Avengers footprint on TV. And so that uh, there's been an announcement that ABC has ordered a pilot about S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. Okay. So you know what S.H.I.E.L.D. is. Right. That's the organization. That is, um, I can't remember the, what Shield stands for, but uh, you know, it's basically the organization that puts the Avengers together. And Nick Fury is the uh, the, the head of Shield with the the eye patch and everything. Right. And so theoretically, you know, this this uh, series is going to focus on Nick Fury uh, because it, you know that's the like you said, the law enforcement agency at the, at the heart of everything. Um, however, the problem is, I think I might see what the problem might be here, but go ahead. Well, the problem is Nick Fury is played by Samuel L. Jackson. Right. Now, does Samuel L. Jackson want to commit to a weekly TV series? Because, you know, one thing you learn is doing a TV series is hard work. I mean, you know, they're five and six days a week, 12, 14 hour days. Um, you know, and heck he's a big star. Yeah. Well, you're filming, you know, 13 to 22 hours of you know, a footage as opposed to two. Right. And you figure ABC, this is going to be a 22 to 24 episode. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you would think that they would make you know, the big commitment. Yeah. Right. So you figure half a year, um, you know, regardless, it's good news, but I mean, certainly that's one of the questions. And of course they're not saying at this point. Um, now the other, uh, I guess, well, you know, basically also, you know, Samuel L. Jackson has to pretty much figure he's got ABC's, you know, nuts right over the fire right now. Like, you know, like, Right. Of course, though, you know, I guess they could do cameos, you know, have him appear, you know. Five. Or they could just get a different actor. Well, play. yeah. I mean, I that guess. would be, you know, I mean, obviously people would be like, what, what's going on here? But that is an option. They get someone good enough, charismatic enough. You well, know, I guess maybe potential. he could die and regenerate. Yeah, there you go. Well, See, that's they need to doctor who this up. Huh? We'll talk about that in a minute. So <laughs> now the other star that, that you know, or I, again, I, I haven't seen any of these. I know you do. Do you know who Kobe Smalders is? Okay, she's, you ever watch uh, uh, How I Met Your Mother? Nope. Really? Well, I think I, uh, I've you, seen it maybe like once or twice. Right, you, you, you must be a family that doesn't leave the TV on during dinner. No. Um, okay. Well, anyway, um, if we do, it's like you know Hannah Montana okay. or uh, Zeke and Luther or something. Well, like uh, Neil Patrick Harris, you know him. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. So yeah, he, Doogie Hauser. Right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you're old enough to know Doogie Hauser. Oh yeah, I remember Doogie Hauser. Sure. Uh, well, anyway, he's the uh, you know he's one of the leads in the show, and Kobe Smalders is, is one of the female leads in the show. And, uh, you know, very attractive, dark hair would certainly, oh, okay. you know, I think we, I knew that. if we put a gun right. in her hand she, she, and put she, her in black, she'd be right. yeah, put her in black, put she'd be gun. on our list. Yeah, she could, well, she could so, make it. So apparently she, uh, 
you know, is, is uh, his assistant in the film. And I guess the problem with bringing her on board is, you know, How I Met Your Mother is probably only going to go another season or two because it's already, I think, in eighth or ninth season. Uh, you know, is she going to be able to do both? Um, you know, I'm, hey, if she's in it, I'll watch it. So now, um, you know, I guess the rest of the problem is, you know, what do you do, do you, with Captain America, Iron Man? Do you bring all them into this or just as cameos? I would tend to think that they probably wouldn't uh, just because, A, I mean, those guys are really commanding hefty paychecks now. And uh, B, that's, I mean, that's just the special effects, especially for Iron Man himself. The special effects are just, you know, astronomical. They must be. So I would say if they're just focusing on S.H.I.E.L.D., then probably the premise would be we're not really going to have the superheroes in there at all. Maybe, or just, you know, bring them on every now and then or something like that. Okay. All right. Now, I feel like we... uh have our weekly Doctor Who tidbit. And we, we mentioned last week that uh, this Saturday uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. and in Canada on Space Network, uh, you know, season uh, series seven, not season seven, series seven uh, is going to debut. And, uh, you know, in, in a recent interview, like Stephen Moffat started talking, I mean, I think um, Matt Smith came on board in, what, 2010? Uh, yeah, this is his third season. Right. So, and I think if, was right. And, and if you follow Dr. Who as much as, you know, I, you know, and I have grown to like Matt Smith, um, you know, it's about time for a change. I mean, you know, if you, you know, in terms of the, the way Dr. Who seems to operate. So, yeah, I've been hearing the same kind of ripples, uh, in interviews, Matt Smith says like, well, you know, should I, you know, instead of, you know, saying definitively, well, next season, you know, there's always this kind of question as to. So when when they start talking like that, you start to suspect that uh, we're going to be seeing probably uh, regeneration very soon. All right. And it gets better because Stephen Moffat has hinted that the next regeneration, the doctor may be a woman. There, there's always that that hint of wonder if they'd ever take that plunge. That would be interesting. Well, I, I, wouldn't, he, I don't want to say outright that that would be a bad idea because if you find the right woman, that would be a great well, idea. He's, just like finding the right dude, you know? Okay, well, he says, you know, in quote, it's part of the Time Lord lore that it can happen. Who knows? The more often it's talked about, the more likely it is to happen someday, Moffat said. So, uh, you know, and then he mentions that the TV show is the mothership of Doctor Who and, you know, so, yeah, you know. Now, my question is, uh, and you've been a Doctor Who fan longer than I have, I thought it was like there were only 12 regenerations. Yeah, I, I had read about this. Uh, apparently, what had happened in the original, you know, the, the older series before they, they started again in 2005, that, uh, that the Doctor somehow was able to kind of get the reset button or something like that. Oh, okay. And there was also speculation as well that when, oh, no, no, well, well, also I heard that when River Song uh, dumped her time, like, I guess this is definitely a spoiler, should I go there? Well, whatever, you should have seen it. If, if, if you, uh, if you haven't seen last season of Doctor okay, Who yet, okay, uh, don't just, li- don't listen for the next thirty seconds. Yeah, just wait. But so when River Song, you know, basically dumped all her Time Lord, I think she dumped all her regenerations into him to save him. Uh, so then the theory is then that he's got like more to go. Okay, well that so, sounds reasonable. All there, right, there was there was definitely been you know other uh, you know people who've regenerated as guys and girls because they're on the uh, the one the episode that Neil Gaiman wrote last season. 
he's talking about, I can't remember, but one of the timelers who had the tattoo always had, he says always had the tattoo. And then, and he's like, and sometimes he was a girl and then, oh, she, she was a bad girl, you know, like that. Mm. So we, we do know that it happens that the time lords can regenerate in opposite sexes. All right. Um, now, we might as well say it now. We'll, we'll probably mention it later. You know, we're going to talk about Grimm tonight that, you know, we, we're going to review the pilot, uh, but that we decided for, you know, the, you know, I guess in two episodes, we're going to go ahead and talk about the uh, Series 7 premiere of Doctor Who. Yeah, got it. You got it. You know, yeah. So, uh, you know, and we, you know, we're sorry if you, you know, are just jumping on board the Doctor Who train at the, or the Doctor Who TARDIS. The Doctor Who TARDIS, right. At this yeah. point, but uh, that's okay. You'll get over it. All right. The last news item. It's easy to catch up. There's 13 episode seasons, very manageable. Uh, you know, you probably won't get caught up by Saturday, but, you know, if you start hitting uh, Netflix pretty hard, they're all, all the episodes are on Netflix. Though there, there's uh, like one episode, which is one of Dave's favorites, the Michelle Ryan one, Planet yep. of the Dead, which was this in-between uh, between uh, seasons, normally seasons four and five, they just ran like five specials. And for some reason, one of those five specials is not on Netflix. Don't yeah. know why. But if you don't see that, you'll be fine. Yeah, except yeah, you'll, you'll miss still, Michelle Ryan. Just, you miss just, Michelle Ryan. Okay, She's right. really, really good in that. But uh, all right, Fan Expo, which uh, you know, both of us, you know, we we've been uh, tangentially involved with Fan Expo in Toronto, and that's because uh, you know we've mentioned I do a podcast on the Showcase Show Continuum with uh, Mike, who's a buddy of ours, and, and Wayne has been you know throwing us more ideas. We're going to get him on there. Uh, at some point, you need to because you keep losing the notes that I give you. Guys. Yes, well, we we got you on the the most recent episode, not <laughs> not live, but we've got you know your ideas. But uh, um, Jillian Anderson from uh, the X Files, Agent Scully, and, and she doesn't make a lot of appearances because really uh, at at sci fi conventions because she's really tied up doing you know the these English. Uh, uh, Jane Austen type. Uh, yeah, she um, just did uh, Great Expectations, right? Last year. The, you know, and uh, you know all of this this arty material. But anyway, she was there, and uh, you know what she said was that uh, she had met with X Files creator Chris Carter, and that it's looking pretty good for X Files three movie, which they've been talking about for years, um, and that. Uh, you know that that uh, you know she wants to do it. David Duchovny wants to do it, and you know it's pretty interesting because for so a long, so what's the problem, right? <laughs> well, Chris Carter wants to do it, right? And and then you know Duchovny has come out and said that I guess what he doesn't understand is, you know, about Fox, and you know now this is David Duchovny bashing Fox, not me. Fox the company or Fox uh, Mulder? Yeah, uh, you know, Fox the company is <laughs> is that they already own it, right? You already own the X Files franchise. So, you know, you're already, uh, you don't have to spend money to do that. But, uh, you know, for a long time, I don't think either of them wanted to do, you know, I mean, they were lukewarm about so, it. You want to get your distance. You're involved with the show for a long time. You don't want right. people to think that's all you do. Right. So and David I, Duchovny went out and started making, you know, soft core porn. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so I think they, they both have established themselves. So that's something to keep an eye on because it sounds like everybody that's, uh, you know, involved wants to do it. And, uh well, yeah. the question then, Dave, is if this movie is made and is out in the theaters, will you go out into eleven o'clock? Eleven o'clock okay. on a Thursday. Okay. Eleven o'clock a.m. All right, that, that's that's the time to go when you don't want to be bothered by when the school's rabble. in session. All right, okay. there you go. All right, so uh, <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, that's uh, it for the news this week. So 
time for what we've all uh, actually assembled here for, and that is Season 1, Episode 10 of Lost Girl. Yeah, we're only like 10 minutes in. Like people are, like, are you actually going to talk about 16 Lost minutes Girl? minutes in. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? If you've been listening to... Uh, to Wayne and me, then you, you know it's going to take us a while. And and hey, we're we're you know we're up front. It's all things sci-fi and supernatural. Yep. So, well, here it is. Here's what you've been waiting for. All right. So, uh, episode ten. Any initial? Well, I'll just say it's called "The Morning After." M O U R I N G. Yes. <laughs> it's directed by Paul Fox and Michelle Lavretta. Michelle Lavretta obviously created the show. Uh, season one was a showrunner had written a bunch of the episodes, and these two had worked together on um, O Kappa My Kappa. Oh, okay. And you know what? Um, there is, you know, Showcase actually, you know, has a podcast, but they don't, you know, it's not show-specific. So there been there were a couple of episodes, you know, I guess the, during the first season of Lost Girl where Michelle Lavrette is on there, and it's definitely worth taking a listen. I mean, in the, you know, all told, I think she only talks for about maybe 12 or 14 minutes, so she's not a threat to our podcast, um, but uh, it's definitely worth taking a listen to. So, uh, okay, opening scene, we're back to the weapons. So it's like we've got weapons and sex. Yeah, and, and this scene combines like kind of both of them, though the sex is not outright. Right, they're just lamenting that they don't have any or right. not getting any. Which is, I mean, just ridiculous, obviously, because, you know, women that look like that should honestly have... And and then they should they should know that they would have no problem, right? That's right. Like maybe they don't. Well, you know, I guess we just believe it. We say, okay, sure. Okay. So or this just women like that <laughs> don't always get it. All right. right. Well, anyway, this time they're throwing knives, and uh, quite- which is uh, pass me the pino. Oh, and the machete. <laughs> right. Quite. Uh, and, you know, we, we've been talking about this. The the, the humor has been getting a, a little drier, and, and you know, I like it. You know, I like it a lot, and, and that was certainly one of the examples. Um, so, it, 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 unless I'm missing something, it basically boils down. We got three stories going on. We got uh, Bo tracking, you know, the girl's killer. Right, we got the uh, straight up police procedural going on. Right. Here. Okay. Then we've got Trick, who's attempting to recover this coin that has gone missing. Right. And there's a little kind of mini procedural there. Uh, right. And then we've got the Bo learning from the new succubus in town, Saskia. Right. Which okay. is just. Really, really cool. Yeah, and and I think you know Wayne and I both when we spoke earlier in the day. I mean, this is I'll tell you, we sound like fanboys, man. This is, a, but it's a great episode yeah. again. I know we say it all the time, people. Are like, so um, when is there going to be that episode? You don't. Well, actually, there has been episodes we've liked less more than others. I guess. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, this was this was a very good one, especially. Right. I mean, Saskia. Like you know, you know me. I like I like my bad guys, and Saskia's not a straight up bad guy per se. But uh, she certainly is not necessarily good. There's, there's a, she's very dark. I guess would be the thing to say. Yeah, and, and now she says she's dark fae. Right. Um, and you know, at this point, really, the only people that have have uh, you know, co- she's come into contact with are Bo and Kenzie. And Kenzie. Right. So, um, you know, she says she's dark fae, and and you know, it's really interesting. Um, you know, the, just the. Uh, the you know just kind of the the dynamic she has with Bo and you know we'll talk about that but let, let's go ahead and just lay out the procedural you know real quickly and uh, you know so we've got the girl at a nightclub goes home with a guy has sex and uh, next morning decides to uh, drop a plugged in hair dryer into a tub of water that she's taking a bath in right and we can see right before she does it that she's like writing with lipstick oh uh, on the window like whore and slut and skank. 
um, which you know I've put on record before saying why why are these words such bad words why 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 are there such a negative thing attached to them I don't get it well you know but but I guess I really you know as a as a horror device you know I mean it really it was pretty creepy oh totally creepy. right and we've seen that you know I mean I can't think of the TV shows or movies off the top of my head, but I'm sure our listeners have seen them, you know, when there's some sort of writing, so whether it's on a wall or, uh, you know, something like that. Especially when the writing should, you know, appear, you know, w- without someone writing, when it just kind of shows up, you know, then it's, then it's really super creepy. Like, it was, right. you know, like in a mirror, a fogged up mirror or something. And she's like writing that. with lipstick right there. But like yeah, she's writing, we yeah. see her do it, but, you know, but then, you know, there's that scene where, you know, she's, she's dead and we, and you see the writing and it, it is pretty creepy when you think, you know, this was like her last act was to, uh, was to this condemnation. Right. Now, one of the things, you know, that, that, uh, I think, especially with sci-fi, and, and you know, we talk about this with Continuum, and, and I think to a certain extent, Supernatural, and cer- certainly, you know, we're like this. That, you know, w- the fans pay attention to detail. So I'm so I'm watching the investigation get underway, and I'm thinking like, okay, now how did they, you know, get here? But then, you know, they answer that for us. Then we find out that it was the sister that called them in, and. Uh, you know, I, I like when when the Bo and Kenzie meet the sister. She was human. She had her bad days, and uh, well, okay, and, and okay, well, she wasn't Faye then, or right? So, yeah, it's not it's not a Faye related. Well, I mean, we assume it's kind of Faye related, but this particular individual was was not a Faye. Right now, I, you know, I like the look. I mean, like in a forty two minute episode, you can't address all the outstanding plot lines that are still active. Okay. So I liked, you know, the fact that she had to go and consult Lauren. Right. Which she did. So very unwittingly, you know, and it's almost like, you know, like on Seinfeld where uh, Newman would come in, you know, like, hello, Jerry. Hello, Newman. You know, you kind of get that, that that feeling from them both. Like, you know, just like, hello, Lauren. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not going to – I mean, first of all, she did treat Lauren pretty badly, but then I think uh, you certainly could make the argument that Lauren deserved it. As I've said, I, I don't really agree with Lauren's methods. Right. Now, she, you know, again, begs forgiveness and, you know, um, and Bo says something about, uh, well, you know, you, it's, you ruined any chance for us to ever get together and, and – uh, uh, you know, Lauren comes back with like kind of, almost like kind of a typical guy response. Well, well it was going to happen anyway. We, you know, what's the difference? Yeah, she. Yeah, you know, Lauren's idea was that hey, we were we were already heading down that path. But right. you know, like I said before, you know, Bo feels super betrayed here, and 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 uh, she's pretty also adamant in in her opinion. So when she gets an idea in her head, you know. Maybe it was Inception, you know, but that uh, she gets an idea in her head and she's not going to let it go, you know. So Lauren's got to 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 get back into Bo's good graces. She's got a pretty pretty tough road to go there, right? And I mean, if we're you know going to look going to look down the road, and and again, we we've had this conversation before that, you know, it's been, I mean, for me, it's probably been at least six to eight months since I've seen season one. So you know, I'm forgetting a lot and. Uh, um, like, oh yeah. So you, you know, obviously we, we've got to look down. Or, or, I mean, are they ever going to mend their relationship? I mean, or are they going to stay, um, you know, you know, in in this state? And you know, we same thing with Dyson and their relationship seems to be, you know, kind of repaired. Sure, and and I mean, we assume that they will in some way, just because they're both you know main characters, and you know, they they can't be. 
uh, you know, annoyed with each other forever. Well, you know, or at least Bo can't be annoyed with Lauren forever because you know she's in almost every single episode. So it's going to get boring if you know she's just pissed all the time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, all right. So anyway, the Bo and Kenzie are out, uh, you know, on the investigation trail, and uh, you know, I really like this whole. You know, it's all, almost like you want her to walk up. There's a new succubus in town, honey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so we meet Saskia. <laughs> And, and you know, the, the, she just treats Bo like this little child. You know the way she talks to her. Yeah, well, and we—I think it was last week we had said that Bo kind of is a child. Mm-hmm. She's only like what we figured—I think twenty-eight, mm-hmm. which in this, this scope of a of a phase life is is very very young. Right. Plus, uh, because she's been had no contact with Fey World for most of her life, she has no clue. About anything, especially what really it means to be a succubus. Right. Like when she finds out, like, uh, Saskia's like, you work? Right. Like she's just completely confounded. Like, oh. succubus don't work. Oh, honey, you live here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, Bo's like, uh, you know, I'm a sponge, you know, just, uh, you know, and, and like she said, I never had anybody to teach me. And, and, you know, she really, uh, and and again, I just think it's so interesting because Bo is this, you know, just kicks everybody's ass, um, you know, whether they're under Faye, over Faye, light Faye, dark Faye, and, and yet here she's just, you know, kind of subservient to this, you know, woman she's just met. Definitely, it's the uh, the old Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer type thing. You know, Huck is is great on his own, but the minute he gets around Tom, he's just a golly gee, Tom. What should we do now? You know. Um, so it's kind of the same thing here, you know. Like you're right, we we're not we we have not at all seen Bo, um, in the you know kind of giving into a subservient position. Even with Lauren, when they went on their little kind of like spy mission or whatever, you know, uh, Bo is still trying to call the shots. It really takes Lauren has to convince her to follow her path the way she wants to go. Whereas for Saskia, it's just like here's what we're gonna do, and Bo's like, okay. Right. And and I guess it strikes me, you know, is, okay, let, let's let's say for the sake of argument that we accept that just uh, by chance, you know, this other succubus, and she, you know, it's like, um, you know, they talk about marking their territory and, you know, what do you do? You know, this is my territory and all of this. But you know, does she seem a little too eager to help Bo? Well, it seems because especially with the attitude she gives her at first, and then all of a sudden she kind of turns around and is like, oh, well, let me help you out. Because, you know, it was really a, a, a um, what am I, antagonistic attitude at first. Like, get out of here. You're, you're in my territory. Which is something interesting that we learn about succubi. You know, apparently, you know, they they have territories. You know, right. like, not only that other succubus can't hunt in, but pretty much any other fae, it seems like. Right. If, uh, if a succubus is claimed out of the spot, uh, you guys, everyone else, all other fae, back off. Right. And uh, she lets her know that. Now, the other thing, and, and again, I mean, we, we, you know, we, we've established early in the series about uh, a fae with powers. Both parents are fae. But, you know, she leads, she tells Bo that, well, you know, one of your parents must have been either a succubus or an incubus. Right? Right. Someone who, uh, yeah, like fed off of, um, like, like the passion and, right. and sexual chi and all that. Right. So I guess, you know, both parents didn't necessarily have to be. But uh, so, you know, again, another piece of information. Now, you know, I guess jumping ahead to the procedural, because, you know, the procedural really, I mean, you know, it, 
it really served as a vehicle to introduce Saskia to Bo and to get you know get them involved. So you know we find out at the end that that guy that's the club owner Bertram, right? Uh, and, and again, you're the you're the Fay expert, so I never. Oh, he was a. Oh, I'm not sure if I wrote that one down. But oh wait, no, wait. He was a uh, a um uh, uh it's it's another word for alabaster. He's an alabaster. Oh right, right, right. So so his deal was now. Does he feed on human shame, or does he like kind of imp- get them to feel that shame? Right. Um. I think I can't remember which. Either way, I mean the 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 result of of contact with an alabaster is that you feel intense shame, which is right. why like Saskia has this you know, like force field around. Cause she's like, I'm pretty shameless. You right, know? So, right. like, she has no shame in her at all. So he, you know, nothing he can do can work on her though. The minute she figures out that it's now uh, an alabaster, I almost said an albatross. Uh, the minute Saskia figures out it's an alabaster, when they go and find the sister mm-hmm. who is now committed suicide as well, um, you know, Saskia's like, we got, we got a bolt. We got to get out of here right now. So, you know, it's because it, it, it's strange because at the end when she confronts Bertram, you know, she's, you know, right in his face. But uh, at first she was, she was pretty frightened. Right. Oh, Saskia, you mean? Saskia was frightened yeah, of, right. of the uh, alabaster Bertram. But uh, so anyway, so we, you know, he turns out like, I guess his, he's a sexual prude, right? I mean, he finds what these, you know, women are doing in his club, you know, to be reprehensible. So anyway, but, uh, so she actually shows Bo, right? I mean, uh, she sends him near death at one point, right? Yes. Well, at the end, like, right. she leaves because Bo goes to call Dyson. And while he's doing that, uh, Saskia drains him. And, you know, we would we thought, like, to death. Right. But, you know, apparently at the end, uh, you know, Bo seems to be trying to revive him somehow and everything. But But apparently Saskia said, you know, I can't. I can't bring him back. Right. It almost seems like it, it could be one of those where, you know, she hasn't really taught Bo that trick yet, you know, but is, is it just under duress that Bo just naturally knows how to do it, you know? Right. So, but anyway, um, anything else about the, the procedural itself? The procedural, that part? Yeah. No, you know, as you said, it's just really kind of, well, what we didn't, Fail to mention is that because Bo is teaming up with Saskia, it means that she's pushing Kenzie aside, and she doesn't. I don't think she means to do it, right? But she does. Like you know, but the, the first night when she meets Saskia, Kenzie's like, "Well, let's go," and Bo's like, "Well, here, you take the car, and I'll I'll come right. home later," you know. And uh, so Bo, I think, sometimes doesn't realize how she hurts Kenzie with things like that. Right. And it goes back to her impulsiveness, you know, and the impulsive in, in, you know, in acting uh, and then impulsive in the way she treats, you know, people that are close to her. Um, And fortunately for her, Kenzie, I think, you know, is a, is a real friend and, you know, a real sister and, you know, takes it all in stride. Um, Is that Kenzie's real hair, by the way, that we saw in this episode? Oh, the, uh, the the kind of the the red, yeah. Maroon type. Yeah, I guess so. I think that was real hair. Yeah. I think oh. we've finally gotten down to the, the real hair and, and not all the wigs. All right. Yeah, there definitely wasn't the wig there at the end. There. I, it, it looked good. She, she, oh, yeah. she should roll with that more often. Yeah. So, all right. Anyway, so why don't we jump into uh, Trick's story in this episode? And, and again, I really like the way they wove those the three, 
you know, plot lines into each other. So uh, we the first thing we see, right, Trick has the confrontation with the Wee Fae. Yeah, uh, Kenji says, uh-oh, trouble in the Shire. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so it seems that Trick has a coin that he's got to turn over to this guy. And we find out that Trick's had it for 100 years, you know, that uh, somehow they found it together, right? And Right, and then they split it every 100 years. Right, because you can't cut it apart because then it loses its power or right, whatever. that wouldn't make any sense at all. Right, so, uh, um, you know, so then Trick confides in Kenzie. And again, you know, and we've talked about this before, it's just, to me, it's just so cool the way she's become so accepted, you know, it, it, you know, right. and we in, see in the here, inner circle. Like, you know, Trick and Kenzie going off on their own little adventure. Right. He comes to her. I need right. your help. Right. Right. And then, well, it's also funny because, like, who do they call? Like, he says, we need some muscle. So who would he naturally call, we think, would be Dyson, right? Right. But he doesn't. Who do they call? They call Hale. Right. You know, so it's almost like Trick is trying to give, like, the JV squad, some playing time yeah. here, you know. Although, I mean, as it turns out, we find out that that he needs he needs an egg from this. And again, do you have the name? The lightning bird. The lightning bird, uh, and that apparently she can only be seen by human females. Right. Or was it just was it human or females it, or, or humans? It, I can't, okay, I, I, I can't remember. Okay, down, but yeah, but either way, right? He so, needs he needs Kenzie to talk to the lightning bird, right? And uh, so you know, the the first thing we see. Uh, now, of course, one thing again, it's it, to me, it wasn't clear to me how come the lightning bird was at Trick's bar to begin with. Well, they they summoned, summoned her. her, they summoned her, okay, and then and, and that's where she showed up. So. Okay, so uh, of course, all right, so if Kenzie needs something from someone, what better way to get it than to con them out of it, right? Right, so uh, and and Trick, you know, it's, it's well, it's not, it's not quite a con because it's a you know it's an even Stephen trade. Well, kind of yeah, thing. but it, it's it, you know it's not a con. You're right, it, but it's it's like manipulation. Sure, and and uh, she does it as well as anybody. Right. Well, and she ma- manipulates both of them, you know, because she right. really gets uh, she gets <laughs> trick at the same time where he has no choice but to agree to some yeah. future favor. Right. So uh, so she, anyway, she gets the egg. He makes the concoction. They find the coin's location. Of course, it's in a cemetery, right? No, oh, it has to be. Right. And uh, so anyway, so she says, uh, you know, I'll handle it. And and again, right, she pieces it all together. How she did, I'm still not sure. <laughs> just, I, that's one of those things I just kind of accepted that, oh, Kenzie, she gets it. I'm like, I, I understand that she saw the flowers and she made some connection with the flowers with the, the, the other dude who, who wants the coin, but it's – to me, seemed kind of a leap, but of course, I, there's a detail I might have missed in there. Well, and again, I, I think uh, you know, it's been a a very busy week for both of us this week, and and ordinarily, I think we both watch it at least twice, and and I know for me, I only saw it once, but I think it's, you know, so I, I'm gonna go back and say that she must have noticed a flower on this guy on the uh, the wee lad in the bar the first time, and then. Put two and two together. Oh, those are flowers that you'll see at a at a cemetery. Right. And then you know, then the, it's at a cemetery. You know, so she puts two and two together, and and you know that that he actually stole it from. He was trying to con trick. Right. Well, he's had the uh, the coin for two hundred years. Actually, he's he's been hogging it for an extra hundred years, and then was trying to um to to get it because the if if trick can't come up with a coin, then. He has to give up the bar, which I've found out the name of it. They they refer to it, for, I think, for 
the first time, I'm not sure if it's the first time or not, but they keep calling it the DAL, the D-A-L, the DAL. Okay. And uh, then I went and looked and it's called the DAL Riata. Okay. Is is the name. So I think it's like Irish. Riata, I believe, is like something to do with like a king or something like that. So I'll, I'll look it up. I didn't have time to check it out today, mm-hmm. but I'll figure out what the, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that Dal Riata is, is Irish. Okay. Um, so, but it, but basically, if if Trick doesn't come up with the coin, then he loses the bar, and obviously, so this guy is playing to to get the bar. Uh, he comes, he starts sizing it up and everything, but they discover he's a, a vanishing coin that vanishes just before it's supposed to be coughed up, and they mm-hmm. discover the other dudes had the coin the whole time. And but. right, he's got his little assistant there taking notes on the, yeah. what items in the bar. Right, yeah. it was um, funny. I mean, this was like this is right. you know, good comic relief. This whole bit yeah. with uh, Kenzie and Trick because they get to do their little procedural type investigation. But it doesn't have the serious consequences that what you know Bo is always right. getting into. Right. But I think what we and again without uh, you know spoiling, I mean I think what we see out of here out of this is that you know several things. I mean we see we see you know Kenzie's role uh, and acceptance into the you know the Fey inner circle anyway. Uh, you know certainly increasing and in that that uh, you know her, her skills are valued. I mean, she, you know, maybe a negotiator is even better than, than what we were saying or what I was saying before, because she negotiates the deal. Uh, everybody gets, gets what they want, right? The, yep. uh, the uh, songbird gets, is that what songbird? The lightning bird. Lightning bird gets uh, a favor from trick who she clearly, you know, understands his significance in the fake community. He gets, uh, you know, the egg and can recover the coin and Kenzie gets her bar tab, yeah, free, picked up, free beer, and free <laughs> drinks for life. Yeah, but uh, but no uh, no top shelf drinks. So like <laughs> that's uh, Trick's big stipulation there, um, which is, yeah, that was just a really funny scene. And also, uh, Kenzie learns that Trick is the Blood King. Right, which she doesn't well, know the significance of it. Yet. Right, and, and and she doesn't hear the the word blood king, and that that was what that was the point I was going to make. You know, that's really the 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 most important thing. You know, it's like we keep getting. You know, last week we got that he's the blood king, okay, and that we know that the blood king basically wrote the rules, and I don't know that we necessarily learned last week that he wrote the rules in his own blood. But you know, we're so we're getting a little bit. So this week, like you, you know, you probably got the line there that she. Uh, I don't think I have the line. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. She said, uh, um, yeah, the, the, the lightning bird says, uh, I don't understand why he went through all of this. He could have found the coin if he wrote in his book of blood again. Right. So why is he stopped if, yeah. he, if, he, wrote in it, if he wrote in it again? So so it seems like if he, there's this book of blood that apparently is what, you know, is, is the law. So all Trick has to do is, is write. Seemingly in this book, and, and, and it's done. That's the law because it was. We saw that last week. Uh, Dyson, when uh, the, during the the Agalum, Agalum, mm-hmm. I'm still not sure the pronunciation of that. Um, you know, Dyson at the end of the episode says, Well, would you have, you know, written in the book to save her? You know, basically. So it, it, apparently, basically, what he writes here is, is law. Right. So, and, but it, it almost though, I mean, it, by writing in it, does that then kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say make him more powerful, but, you know, it, it almost, you know, I mean, his whole persona is that, you know, he's just a regular guy. I mean, he's the barkeep. Right. Uh, yeah. First, he seems like, but, you know, as with each episode, we see more and more that he's more than just the bartender and that he seems to be a person of some importance. 
though we have seen with his run-ins with like the ash and everything that he still is seemingly kind of a subservient position to the ash we talked about this last week yeah. you know he's he's called the blood king right. but yet he's not the guy in charge right. or but, so it's so but then the question and, and again maybe we'll find out subsequently but why has he stopped writing in the book Exactly. So. Well, and, and also because we see, well, here is A, obviously he's had compelling reasons, and, and B, we assume that he's a responsible blood king because if, you know, a lot of people, if you had such power, you know, you might write things like, well, the blood king gets, you know, a huge mansion and the blood king gets a, you know, a, a you know, 23-year-old wife every year and you know, something like that. You, know, you could really go crazy and abuse your power if, if oh, you just had to, if you got to write the laws. So. Right. Now, kind of segueing into, you know, that, that whole, you know, using your, you know, powers to get, you know, stuff or things or whatever, you know, it, it takes us back to Saskia again. And, you know, her, you know, clearly she's more powerful than Bo, uh, you know, the, the whole, you know, again, just like her, you know, it, it's almost kind of like a, a New York, accent sort of i mean it's not really but it's like you know there's just like oh darling you live here and and you know like you said it's like you work yeah um no 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 honey yeah it just it blows her away that wait, you're you're a succubus you realize how we roll right but the thing is bo doesn't bo has already kind of developed her her view of the world on her own um without that influence where you know her, if had she been raised to fay obviously she would know like traditionally what a succubus does and she would probably reject all this right but see i guess to me that's kind of the problem in that Bo has developed even though she hasn't been in the fay community she's developed this sense of ethics right i mean she has a code of ethics and that you know when push comes to shove she usually does the right thing saskia on the other hand you know you know i if i want this how do i get it Okay, if I hurt you, oh well. You know, to a certain extent, kind of like Kenzie. You know, and, and while you know now, I mean, I think we certainly like to think of Kenzie as you know in her cons, she's not, she doesn't really want to hurt anybody. But you know, it led me to think, I wonder what she was like before. You know, I mean, did right. she have a conscience? Did she show compassion to the people that she victimized? I, I tend to think that she does. Uh, it seems that. From what we've seen, the glimpses, the brief glimpses we've had of her previous life, like for example, when she thought she was dying, she goes to the cemetery and says, "Well, this is where I used to come to, like, kind of get away." And we mentioned how that was pretty sad, but also I think reflects kind of a you know a sensitive soul inside of her. You know, she didn't go to a bar, she didn't go to a pool hall, she didn't go to a crack den or anything like that. She went to a cemetery where she could be at peace. So I tend to think, and we see that, yeah. Uh, Kenzie certainly has a way of justifying what she does in a, I wouldn't say Machiavellian way, but you know, certainly like the ends justifies the means and that, you know, hmm. uh, but still within that has a pretty strong moral compass like, like Bo and, and has a clear sense of, of right and wrong. Yeah. And, and I think, and I agree with you, you know, that, uh, um, you know, and, and the people that, you know, I keep referring tonight to the, you know, the inner circle of, you know, Dyson, Hale, Trick. Um, you know, Bo, uh, Lauren, and I guess I guess Lauren's sort of in the inner Kinda, circle. Yeah, she's on the outer inner circle. Yeah, right? she's on Team Bo at this point. Right. Um, um, although Bo might disagree. So, um, anything else? 
Um, you know, we see Dyson a little bit, and, and you know, his attitude is is you know, you know, done a three sixty from two two or three episodes ago, so that uh, you know whatever Bo needs, he's smiling and. Yeah, and we had we had said in the, the last episode in the Fay Day that they really seem to be getting along, and and now that there is, we can see that that uh, you know, that, like we mentioned, like they've kind of reached this kind of happy place, I guess, yeah. in their uh, relationship, where it's a more moderate relationship, with trying to avoid those extremes of feeling. Now they're just friends, right? <laughs> and, uh, and and I guess part of it that's the overall, you know, thematically this episode um is dealing with these you know extremes of emotion you know like the extreme passion that then the alabaster turns into extreme shame you know and and shame is kind of like goes against what uh what, you know because Bo is i mean she she's i think she's pretty comfortable with herself as a person yeah you know and so you know the alabaster you know represents this kind of puritanical uh thinking that uh, is very judgmental, and and one thing you can't be if, if if you're a fan of the show, really, even I guess is you can't really be judgmental because you know there's people are do oftentimes questionable things, but they see these questionable things as being the right thing to do, you right. know, and everything and that happens often and doesn't ascribe itself to a strict judgmental morality and view of the world. Well, as Kiara Cameron says, sometimes you have to do the wrong things for the right reasons. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So maybe, maybe the writers of continuum were lost girl fans too. Well, know, but, but yeah, I mean, you make a good point. And I mean, I think that's what we see in Bo and, you know, it's like, you know, once she started realizing that, you know, geez, I get with these dudes and, and then, you know, they, they die and, and that, you know, instead of just, you know, continuing on because it feels good to her, you know, she runs away. You know, I don't, you know, I, 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 all I know is I'm hurting people. Well, my answer is to remove myself from the situation. Right. And, and the alabaster who was, you know, trying to kill her, basically, she, she, try, you know, she saves and everything or tries to save. Does she? No, because yeah. he dies. Right? Well, no, no. She, when she thinks that uh, Saskia is killing him. Right, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she tried. You know, she. You know, I mean, maybe horrified's a little strong. Yeah, no, but, he's he's dead. He's dead. He's in the body bag at the end. Right, but I mean, I mean, right. Bo, you know, right? But she stops. Right, she right. stops Saskia and and is is like, no, that's not the right thing to do, and that's that's where she Bo finally sees that Saskia is very dangerous, and and while she's cast aside, Kenzie, who's helped her maintain her moral compass, she's kind of been you know, um, hanging out with this very amoral person, which she, uh, we talked about Vex is the same thing. You know, that's something that really bothers that, that lack of a moral, uh, compass whatsoever is something that she reacts very violently to. Um, and so there's that kind of touching scene at the end there where, um, you know, she's def obviously bummed out and very kind of distraught by what's happened. And Kenzie comes to, despite all the, you know, how kind of she's been treating Kenzie kind of shadowly, Kenzie still comes and says, hey, what's going on? And, uh, and Bo finally cottons on and is just like, you know what, let's, let's hear about what you did today because right. we're always talking about me. 
let's talk about you. And so she sits there and listens to, to Kenzie's uh, story, which when we talk about, you know, like kind of older sister, younger sister, I almost saw this as like almost like a mother daughter type thing. That's what parents do all the time. It's just like, all right, tell me about your day. And the kids are just going on. Well, blah, blah, here's what I did at the playground. And then it's a soccer practice and everything. And, uh, you know, you're not necessarily super interested in what they say, but you know, you still listen. And that's kind of like what Bo's doing here. Yeah. And, and, and I thought it was a great way to end that episode. So, all right. So, yeah, I mean, I, we've certainly got, uh, you know, just as many questions as we got answers. Sure. And, because again, here's another yeah. person who right. claims to know, or she doesn't really claim it. I guess she's like, you know, basically she says something like, you know, come see me when you're, or when you're ready to learn more about yourself, come find me. Right. You know, and what does she mean? Does she mean more about yourself as a succubus or more about yourself as in like, yeah. you know, yeah. what she's been trying to find out, like who her parents are, where she came from, you know, all, all this stuff about her, her, her history. Right. So. And we already know that, you know, Bo and Tri- uh, uh, Trick and Dyson have, you know, you know, they, you know. Right. We know that those guys, we know that they we, know. That. Right. So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you mentioned Vex and it, it just seems like lately she keeps getting thrown, you know, into these, uh, these characters that, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that they're, you know, that their ethics are nebulous because they're really not. I mean, they're clearly dark fae, but, right. you know. Well, yeah, Vex's ethics are are non-existent. Yes. Uh, but you know, it's funny that he's her first son. Like she's like, oh, this is this is Vex for sure. You know, like like she killed herself. Oh, Vex. You know, like so now he's gonna be like the poster boy for everything bad that happens. She's going to assume uh, he's the one who did it right away. Right, and that's understandable because of yeah. you know what well, he, he is. really he, he really pissed her off. You know, so. <laughs> which is what he does. He he's well named, right? Yep. So, all right. Um, I mean, that's all I got. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. All right. So uh, this week we are going to talk about the pilot episode from Grimm. And uh, it aired on NBC and still airs on NBC, uh, October 11th, 2011. So it's been on the air. Let's see. I can do the math. Not not quite a year, but they're in season two, I do believe, right? They've, well, they're not in it. They're going to they Oh, they haven't be. started yet? Okay. Yeah. okay. I, I don't know when the premiere date is, but uh, yeah, it's coming up all right so uh so anyway so uh the opening scene and and i guess there's there's probably uh, and i think both of us you know deliberately do not try to you know we don't want to read anything about it beforehand want to go into it you know clean so the opening scene you see this uh you know i don't know i mean we learn that she's college age girl i mean she certainly looks like in her late teens early 20s jogging heading down a path leading into the woods and by the music and this you know it's like okay that's not good. She's listening to the Sweet Dreams. Who does the song? Eurythmics. Eurythmics, yeah. right? And uh, and she's wearing a red top. Yeah. Well, anytime you know it, the the show is called Grim, right. and basically anytime you run into the woods uh, in a show called Grim, you're probably not long for this world. Especially if you're a show that starts off just like Supernatural does. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and you know it, it's funny, you know. Uh, I really didn't have, I mean, I'm, I shouldn't say I didn't have, I had preconceived notions about what this show was about. And I guess I thought, it, you know, it somehow had something to do with Grimm's fairy tales. And, and, and of course it does, you know, to a certain extent. But, uh, you know, I mean, as an opening, okay, I, I kind of liked it. Okay, no, I can it's see compelling. some. It's It draws you in for sure. Right, and yep. I can see some people, it's like, okay, uh, 
you know, girl wearing a red top running into the woods. Okay, well, let's see. Where have we heard this? You know, the yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and but that's okay. You know, um, you know, I like it. All right. So again, this seems to be a common theme on a lot of these shows. I mean, it's a procedural, right? And uh, we got to. It took me a while to figure out whether they were police officers or like park police or something. Uh-huh. Like that. I thought they were like rangers or something because like they meet with the one guys and they're like, oh. I'm trying to figure out whether this fell under their jurisdiction. Is it a murder or is it an animal attack? You know, right. I'm like, well, if it, which is the one you're going to follow up on? Well, and, and then you start thinking, is it well, is this like Dyson and Hale? You know, that they're human cops. You know, that when they run across a fake crime, you know, they they, they make sure it. Right. You know, they, they gets, go in the supernatural mode. Right. right. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, so but that doesn't seem to be what it is. But what does get our attention is that the one guy, he sees certain people turn into monsters right there's this uh you know very attractive woman walking by and all of a sudden her face changes into this crazy like ghoulish face and uh and and he's and then she just keeps walking like ain't nothing but a thing right and you know from a special effects standpoint yeah that was pretty cool that was pretty cool those those good special effects for sure yeah um you know didn't seem cheesy again um all right so anyway we meet his aunt all right so you know, I, I guess we're to assume that she's suffering from cancer. That's why she's bald. But uh, you know, she, but she's clearly ill. And then, of course, you know, she utters, you know, the, uh, the you know, about I'm gonna, I don't know, nine or ten words that there are things you don't know about your family, right? Yeah. A- again, um, you know, okay, I'm still watching. I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of like the the lead character guy. Yeah, he's um, a good character. And, you know, you say something like that, and, you know, now there's this ad element. It's not just the police procedural. Now there's something else. There's something. There's going to be some larger mythology at work here where, obviously, this guy, um, what was his name, Nick? Right. Um, where Nick's going to have to, you know, he's going to want to figure out who or what he is. And there's all kinds of hints throughout the uh, the, the show about what his history is, what his parentage is and so on and so forth. Right. And she's got, you know, she's got this whole kind of like weird aunt vibe going on about her anyway. Yeah. She's very spooky and it's not like, you know, the, 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 the cancer baldness thing. She's just really, oh, right. Right. Kind of, she could have a full head of hair. Well, She'd just be as spooky and weird. And I guess one thing I did, you know, I mean, I understand that filmmakers, you know, manipulate the audience. I mean, I get that, but you know that whole scene where he goes goes to his house. The house is dark, you know, and they're playing all this really creepy music, like somebody's going to jump out with an axe and you know split his skull in half. And you know he he senses something's wrong, and then all of a sudden it's his fiance and his aunt, and they're cooking dinner yeah, or baking right. brownies or whatever it is they're doing, right. and all's good. And you're like, wow. That's good. It's like, oh, that wasn't fair. Yeah, they're just toying with you there. Yeah, that's not right. But, uh, you know, but then she, you know, lays on him that, you know, the misfortune of your family is being passed on to you, right? Because I'm dying. So basically, whatever I've had to deal with, now you're going to have to deal with. And you need to break up with her now. Yeah, like that's going to work, right? Like, oh, okay. Well, you just show up randomly, tell me to break up with my fiance. Um, No. Right. Now, I know that you probably never run into this one before, but uh, apparently he was lied to about his parents' deaths. 
Yeah, imagine that. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, you know, now, again, I mean, there were, you know, things that we didn't like about it, but, uh, you know, and, and, you know, but but there were certainly things that we did like. And, well, and- one thing is that Sasha Ruiz is the captain, Sam Adama himself. But Absolutely, in the end, from Caprica. Yeah. Yeah, that was that which was we can awesome. now speak about without yeah. choking up. Right, right. So it was it was cool to see that classic, uh, great, great actor there at work. And then uh, you know at the end of the the pilot, there it turns out he's I, I won't go so far as to say he's a bad guy, but he's certainly working with these because he's talking to the the the, the, the woman that Nick saw earlier, who seems to be these bad creatures whatever they are. we don't even know what they are really we, we meet the 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 blue bat the blue bad blue bod yeah um he's like a wolf man he seems to indicate there's other types of creatures not necessarily wolf people but other supernatural type wait a minute creatures. girl wearing red running into the woods attacked by a wolf yeah i know <laughs> yeah, yeah all right um, but, you know, and it's kind of funny how they yeah. do that they you know the, with the uh the and I, I, fairy I like tale tie. but you know honestly that can only help because as a police officer all you have to do really is say oh okay let's let me go read the this book here because it'll tell me exactly who the bad guy is and where he is. Oh, yeah, he's at the grandmother's house. We just got to find the grandmother's house and we're good to right. go. Well, anyway, so she – right. And, and you know, I like that. It's, so, anyway, she tells him that the, the stories are not fairy tales, that the monsters are real. Okay. And that he's the last of the Grimm's. And it's like, oh, okay, so the grim fairy tales were real, okay? <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I know the way I just said that made it sound sort of – but. I thought that was cool. I, I, you know, I like that. He's given this mystery key, and you know, anytime you get a mystery key, that's yeah, well, it's, it's going to open up something mysterious, right? right? But you have to figure out what it opens up. So there's more of the uh, the mythology that to uh, link one show from the other. So you're not just doing, uh, you know, the monster of the week, as as you know, I've heard people call it. You know, where you're doing there's actually this story arc, this overall arc. Of, of something more than just the everyday procedural. Right. So, you know, I, I think probably our favorite scene, you know, I think we, we've talked about this, you know, our, our favorite scene, you're right, he, he tracks down the wolf that he thinks is committing the crimes, that he thinks that is killing these, these girls. Right. And, and, you know, it's like really funny because <laughs> so he, so he, he comes out of the woods and he, I would estimate a good, probably 70 to 100 yards away from this guy's house. And this guy's just like like 10 steps outside of his front door, right? And so Nick sees him turn into, like sees him temporarily change into a wolf, starts bolting down the hill. The guy looks up, sees him running down the hill, bolts for his front door. And then the next scene, like they both are spilling into the, the front door at the same yeah. time. Like, what is this guy like got like super speed, man? Right. He was like a football field away. He like caught up with him. Like, are you kidding me? Or maybe a continuity error, but it uh, could be, could but be. anyway, so, so, you know, and we see the scene where he's marking his backyard. Right? That was as, hilarious. As, as a, right. But, but the best part, you know, of the meeting. So he, he, he discovers, he goes, yes, I'm a wolf. Okay. You know, I know. And your 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 grandmother is I forget the grandmother's I mean your your aunt is uh oh yeah Marie, whatever. Right. Oh yeah, our my parents told you know, our parents told us stories of the Grimm's, uh, you know, so it's like okay, so the the wolf parents are telling their little you know, right stories about the Grimm hunt. About the scary humans, right? right. And, and the humans hear stories about the scary that was a good twist there. Yeah, like yeah. So so we definitely like this. You know, and visually I, I, I thought the show was great. I mean I liked 
you know the the darkness of it uh you know the dark the settings were dark almost whether it was uh, exterior or in the rooms and uh you know i mean i liked it now i guess the question we always have is are we going to you know watch episode 2 and i guess for me what i can i I'm probably not going to go to episode 2 but i can definitely see you know watching it and not worrying about the fact that i'm watching it out of order yeah well because there, there is that. Well, I mean, we know what the overall mythology is, so right. you won't be lost about that. And then probably this will be a lot of you know monster of the week slash police procedural type stuff as well. Um, you know, the only the one really big like nitpick I have with this besides the continuity error there with the the Wolfman was okay. So the girl is killed jogging, right? She's listening to Eurythmics, "Sweet Dreams." Okay, so the cops then find the crime scene, which I assume is more than a minute and a half or two minutes later, right? Okay. And the song is still playing. So, like, what? This girl has just, like, had one song on her iPod, just set on a loop. All she listened to was Sweet Dreams. Ah, good point. Right? So, then, later, when uh, Nick brings his partner to the neat guy's house, and and neat people are, are creepy as anything, man. Like, you know, like, how could this, like... Like his partner thinks that this guy's innocent because he's so neat and and tidy, and for that same reason, any other cop would probably think this guy's definitely some kind of psychotic killer, right? And he did it well, that guy. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, yeah. He played the neat, creepy guy yeah. really, really, really well. So as the cops are leaving, he starts humming "Sweet Dreams," and this is what apparently tips off Nick's partner that oh, he is. The killer, and so, which would lead me to have two questions: Is like, a, why, why would he? I mean, did he listen to the girl's iPod? Like, how, how would you make that jump? You yeah. know, ever like just because he was humming "Sweet Dreams," you know, just just because I'm humming "Helter Skelter" doesn't mean I'm one of the, like the Manson family, right? Okay. You know, it's like, and uh, you just like the White Album, yeah, exactly. So maybe this guy's Eurythmics fan. So you're going to put a bullet in his back because of that? Well, actually, I guess they put a bullet in his back because he does turn into a wolf and attacks him. But I'm saying, yeah, the attack only happened because they went back in because he was. Uh, so you know, I mean, that was like that was that was a bit much. I mean, I'm willing to take a lot. I'm willing to you know, but uh, but that little plot device to me did i'm like really there's there's a million things and honestly what could have what should have happened is just they go in and and realize and see that this guy is all neat and he's got little figurines and and everything and and uh and just right there he should say all right let's get a warrant for this place and you know let's turn it upside down because yeah i mean like the guy is creepy look at him you know that just one look and you're like okay he's probably did it yeah, and I mean, I guess maybe what we're going to see is that uh, you know he, you know, I guess like Bo, he's going to grow into his his power, you know, whatever you know, tracking monsters or you know whatever his you know whatever you know his family has done, you know, we assume uh, you know sanctuary like perhaps to you know to keep the monsters in check, okay, and and perhaps even protect the ones that right. need protecting, right? Because they're all they're not all bad, right? Right. We got well, I mean the, that's. You know. The the blue bod here is which there's that really funny scene you know we talked about where he's uh you know they're driving in the car and and he's got his head out the window you know right. and that was, that was hilarious that was a really funny scene yeah. which makes me think NBC you could pick up Sanctuary instead you you could they could but but they won't or yeah. if they do they'll cancel after like five shows all right well anything else I think it's about about Grim you know. 
Good show. I can okay. see. It. You know, I I have too much of supernatural in my future right now well, to even consider uh, watching another show. But yeah, maybe I'll. You yeah, know, and, every now and, and then I'll check it out. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think that's probably uh, what faces a lot of us sci-fi geeks that that uh, you know we alternately go through the you know these depths of depression when we think gosh there's never going to be another good sci-fi show out there there and then suddenly you know it's just like they're everywhere and you just can't watch them all yeah and there's a lot and uh, we try yeah we we try there's a lot coming on this fall there's a lot of new shows that i mean i imagine what we'll do is like maybe just you know all these new shows that come out we'll watch the pilot yeah and i figure i still can test i'll be within my my two season rule if I just watch the pilot. Yeah, that, then, that's fine. And, and we'll, yeah. you know, I think in, in past podcasts, we've mentioned, uh, you know, what some of these upcoming shows, I mean, one that, that, re, you know, I remember is the revolution. Yeah. The 66 sure revolution for sure. Right. I think era we got to throw in there. Right. So uh, we'll probably take a look at most of them and, uh, and go from there. But, uh, all right, well, we'll wrap it up there. And, and what we are going to definitely talk about next week, you know, forget the, top 10 list you know we're, we're talking doctor who next week absolutely uh so we will take a look at episode 11 uh getting near the end uh, of season one getting close and, and as we said i mean the writing has really picked up and, yeah. and now we're starting to see um both starting to learn more and more and more and we're seeing kind of this uh that getting the feeling that some kind of big revelation about her past is is coming up pretty soon yeah maybe even in episode 11 no maybe well no. Yeah, see, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching. I was actually watching it today. I, I've watched about half of it, and and so far, no. So I don't think this one. And I don't know. But soon, we know. I mean, I mean, you just know. Even if you hadn't seen it before, you know that they're not going to just leave it hanging. They're not going right. to send you off into the the hiatus between season one and two, not knowing a little something at right. least about like who her her what her parentage is or something about her past. Um, they got it. They've been dealing with it all season. They got to throw us a cookie here at the end. Right. right? And you can't introduce great characters like Saskia and Vex and then. Exactly. Oh, right. You, know. you, you, you figure we got to see them again. Right. Can't yeah. be one and done. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anyway, um, drop us a line at fatalistspodcast at gmail.com or uh, check out the website fatalists.podbean.com. Or get us through iTunes, which apparently a lot of you are doing, which is very cool. Yeah, and, keep uh, doing it. And, uh, you know, feel free to leave comments, positive or negative, and uh, we'll look forward to the next episode. All right. See you then. Out.